All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are, well, I better introduce us. That's the name of our show. See, I get rebuked off air if I don't do everything just right, because these guys are like slave masters behind the mics. Pastor Jonathan Van Hugan, Day Spring Reformed Church. Brother. I think he's talking about the producer. Oh, not totally, about, yeah. yeah. Not you not guys. I, I felt Other like that people. was slander. <laughs> That was Russell Herman, Pastor Russell Herman from Cloverdale yep. Reformed Church. Good to be here. My name is Josh Bells. I'm from the Well Church in Boise, and we have a special guest with us today, Tim Hazelbaker from First Middleton Baptist Church. Middleton First Baptist. I get this Or First Baptist in Middleton. See, I, People mix it up. See, That's all right. The good news is Josh doesn't I do actually say, <laughs> say anybody's church correctly no. that's a guest. Yeah. I barely oh, hear you He barely does it with us. <laughs> That's why our church is called The Well, because it's so easy to remember. Is, is that right? <laughs> Just a simple name. That's, That's right. good. We're a bunch of simpletons. All right. So um, we have been going through um, Paul Tripp's book. Um, why, don't, why don't you introduce this? Because I messed it up yesterday. Paul Tripp wrote a book called Do You Believe? It's a systematic theology. And before that scares you off, it's, it's a user-friendly um, systematic theology where he introduces a doctrine in very straightforward ways, but then writes a follow-up chapter right after that that then applies that to everyday life. And so he's really trying to just emphasize the idea that theology or doctrine is for life. It's not just something that we're supposed to have in our heads and in our hearts. They're supposed to be lived out day Mm -hmm. by day, moment by moment. They're supposed to have implications for how we live the 24 hours of each day. Yeah, and in, in this he goes through 12 historic doctrines, and he says 12 historic doctrines to change your everyday life. You know, so that's his subtitle. Yeah. What's, what doctrine is supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he gave several statements uh, in the application section on um, God's holiness. So this next one I think might be my favorite one. He says that everyone longs for a world ruled by a holy God. Can I tell a story that I think illustrates this? Absolutely. So I used to be a high school teacher for 15 years, and what I found was that there were some high school boys that were just kind of turds. Um, They resisted authority. They kind of pushed back whenever um, they could. They um, weren't a ton of fun to have in the classroom, to be real honest. You you really had to almost sit on them to, to get them to do what you wanted to do. And almost all of the worst of those type of kids went into the military. Hmm. The very thing that you would say, what? That doesn't make any sense. They hated authority. So they're going to go into a place that's the most authoritative in our society. And it's kind of like this. The whole the holiness of God is um, everyone longs for a world ruled by a holy God. Um. And it's kind of unexpected. Yeah. You wouldn't think that that would be true. But deep down, we we all do have a longing because we were created to be underneath God what and we his desire holy rule. Is, what we desire is the effects of that holiness. That's right. You know, we, we talked the other day that we're actually afraid of holiness um, because it reveals who we are. But we really want the effects of holiness, uh, particularly in everyone else. Um, because that means we live at peace. We have a wholeness in which uh, essential things are not lacking. Yeah, you know, Puritans were really good of, of connecting holiness and happiness together. Like you can't have one without the other. 
I imagine a, a world ruled by a holy God. It would be the end of, of victims. It would be the end of murder. It would be the end of rape. It would be um, the end of oppression, of injustice. Like, it would be a, a truly happy world. It's, it's a place where everybody would be peaceful and safe. Yep. Place where everyone knows your name. <laughs> well, there is this reaction that we all have to injustice in the world. Or hopefully it's a reaction that most of us have to injustice, that we see it yeah. and it creates a response inside of us of anger, of uh, really a desire for a better world. Well, that reaction is really saying, I want a holy God to rule over all things and do away with evil. Yeah. Um, and most people react that way. Tim, um, so you you were telling us a little bit, you mentioned your conversion here just briefly before the show. Before you were converted, were you happy? In the true sense of the word. Well, I, in a theological sense, no. Um, I certainly had enjoyment in life in living like a pagan. Right. But I would say certainly now, the happiness and the blessedness that I know in Christ is far greater than I ever expected. I've told people my life is so much happier than I ever would have and expected. That, and that's growing with your holiness. Mm -hmm. One of our deacons in the church actually grew up with Tim, and uh, they actually ran into each other at our one of our Reformation conferences. They were both surprised to see the other one there mm -hmm. <laughs> as, as mm -hmm. believers, um, you know, because there is a sense in which uh, sin, you know, we you can enjoy the tents of sin for a season, as Scripture says. You know, there's a certain enjoyment in in sin, but it ultimately doesn't satisfy, mm -hmm. and it's only for a season because you know it's appointed unto us once to die, and after that, the judgment. We will enjoy no sin at that point. Yeah, I, th I think another detail too that we could factor in is the difference between positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Positional being your position before God that he has sanctified you, he has made you holy, and progressive sanctification and that the Spirit is progressively sanctifying you throughout your life. When we think about our progressive sanctification, that can be discouraging or encouraging. Right. But we remember the position that we have before God, because we're cleansed by Christ, what kind of joy does that bring? Amen. You know, so. I grew up in a church and that oftentimes would would preach against sin, nothing wrong with that, but also would talk about it sometimes in a way, kind of talking to high school young adults about that sin is not enjoyable. And I always thought that was odd um, because that's just not true. Um, I don't think we should lie to our young people. Um, sin is enjoyable. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. Um, However, what we need to add to that is that sin always takes you further than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, and keeps you longer than you want to stay. Yes. That the cost, the ultimate cost of all of that is, is far greater than the, the temporal sin, 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 enjoyment. Yeah, sin has consequences, and we're told in the Word of God that uh, you will reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. In fact, many people today are, are actually reaping what they sow, sowed in their, their youth, and, uh, and some are still going – there is a day in which they are going, that harvest is going to come in the future as well. So yeah. 
Um, sin has its consequences, and just in the same way, yeah. uh, living before God and in, in in holiness has has consequences too. This is, you know, this this thing. You know, we want to be living in this world ruled by a holy God, because as you were pointing out, we cry for justice, we cry for peace, we cry for safety, we cry uh, that we would be treated with value and dignity, and those are the things that the holiness of God brings into our life. Yeah. I think I'm going to skip this next one because I kind of feel like we already hit it. Yep. Um, so w- because we're that good, because we are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just so you know. Uh, well, this is the last statement then, and I think this is important. So holiness is the purpose of all biblical and theological study. Um, one of the things that I've uh, recognized lately in, in kind of my discipling relationships that I'm in is there are so many people that don't know how to read their Bibles. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they can't open it up and flip to a section and read it. What I'm saying is, is they don't know how to interact with the passage. And um, the Well, ma- tell us, how, how should we interact with, with our Bibles? And read our Bible. Well, I mean, I would say that the, what Trip is getting at is okay. this, this is the final design. <laughs> You're trying to set me up, man. The final design of, of theological study is that we don't just put God like on this, you know, scientific table and start dissecting him. Like we have talked about, you know, definitions of God. We're trying to understand who God is, but it's for a purpose. It's for to drive us closer to him, to conform us to his image. And if that's not happening, um, are are we really reading and studying the Bible the way that God intended us to read and study it? I always just try to, when I'm working with, with young people, I guess it doesn't matter if it's their young people or not, when we're trying to figure out, well, how do we read God's Word? Um, I always tell them, here's some simple steps. Whenever you read a passage, what you're looking for is, what does this tell me about who God is? Second, what do I learn about who I am mm-hmm. in this passage? And especially, who am I in relationship to God? especially as somebody that's being renewed. So as you're opening God's word, every every text should tell us something about God and his works, his world, what he's accomplishing. Oh, you missed it. Wisdom, that's the alliteration his right there. <laughs> and then we learn well who we are and how we are to respond to this God. Um, and really part of that is this whole idea that we kind of, if we're circling back, we learn about the holiness of God and then who we are is to be holy because he is holy, that we're being transformed into that which we see in, in God's word. Yeah. I, th- I think I would add to that, um, what did Jesus say was the whole foundation of the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. He said all of the law and the prophets uh, hinge on loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. So that's one way that I make application in my own reading and also in preaching is, what does this text tell me about how I can love God? And how I can love my neighbor, because that's that's a hermeneutic that Jesus gave us, an interpretive method. Absolutely. Well, what say you? What 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 do you tell people uh, when they ask you, Pastor Jonathan? Um, I'm struggling with with reading my Bible. I'm struggling with connecting with God. Um, what what are some of the things that you've said? Well, I, I would agree with Russ here. You know that you know you're asking yourself, what does this say about God, and what does this say about me? You're also not just reading your Bible uh, for historical information, but you're also seeing how this redemptively points uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm actually preaching through the, one of the historical books right now, but um, you know, 
for instance, you know, in some of the delivers that God raises up, we we can actually see a line drawn that these guys are a type and a shadow, a weak representation of the deliverer that we all need. And so uh, Jesus, you know, as, as Tim was pointing out, you know, Jesus is talking about, um, you know, one hermeneutic there, but there's another one where he says that all the law and the prophets talk about me. Mm-hmm. So in, in one sense, you know, I, you know, it's kind of one of the, you know, somebody somebody referred to it, it's kind of like uh, the, the old Where's Waldo pictures that, mm-hmm. you know, where's Jesus in this? Yeah. Show, me, show me him, yeah. uh, you know, throughout scripture. Yeah. Before we leave the, the topic of holiness, I, I do want to say that holiness is, is, can be, the holiness of God can be discouraging. Um, because it 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 can reveal the sin in our hearts and our lives, but that is not where we're supposed to to end. Mm-hmm. Um, as we encounter the holiness of God and it reveals our sin, it really is just a stepping stone then to come to 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 Christ and experience His great grace that He lavishes on His people. Um, and so then we it it is to end in a in a spirit of rejoicing where we say I love God's holiness because it brings me to the Holy One Jesus Christ and in Him as Tim was saying earlier positionally we also are holy mm-hmm. um, because we are found in union with Jesus Christ. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you want to pick up this book, it's called Do You Believe by Paul Tripp. Great systematic introduction, um, not only teaching you what these kind of main doctrines of uh, Bible and and God are, but then how to apply them in everyday life. We we would very much commend it to you. Uh, We hope to see you next time.